Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Foster, and you're listening to Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined once again by Callum Williams. Cal, um, I came to this moment and I didn't, uh, I don't have anything funny to ask you because I spent a lot of time just writing a lot of thoughts about Minnesota United and their three-game losing streak. Do you have anything lighthearted we could start with? Um... Not really, to be honest. It just doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like a very light-hearted time, does it, really? You know, no. You make 0-3, so it just doesn't feel like a light-hearted time right now. So, um, no, apologies, I don't really. Oh, man. I, uh, all right, well, then let's just get into it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't have any. I don't have anything else to 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 talk about. Um, oh well, I guess, you know. I guess the only thing is, it, it's sort of lighthearted. It, it's just a Netflix uh, recommendation um, for, for those that that uh, it's a little bit outdated. But but for those that do want to um, to, to get to to know sort of South American football a, a bit better and, and Boca Juniors. There is a Boca Juniors documentary uh, on Netflix, mm. uh, which I highly recommend. As I said, it's a bit outdated. Uh, Scalotto is still the manager. They just signed Ramon Abila. Um, so it, it's, it's about two and a half years out of date, but it is um, a very good watch. And, and for those that want to sort of get to know Abila a little bit better, it, it, it's a good way to, uh, to do that for sure. So um, I think it's just called Boca Confidential or something along those lines, but it's, it's there. It's uh, it's a good watch, um, and uh, I I binged it in in one night. There's four episodes, and it's uh, it's very good. Nice. That is a, that is a good recommendation. I've been watching uh, Grace and Frankie, which is very lighthearted. It's on Netflix and um, has Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, sort of older women whose husbands uh, divorce them because they're in love with each other, and so their husbands get married, and then they end up hanging out a lot. It's good. Uh, it's very easy to watch. It's like half hour episodes, so uh, so that's quite good. Here's what I'll get your. Here's what I want your take on Jose Mourinho to Roma. Oh, oh. oh. Well, now we're talking. Um, <laughs> I, let's, get I, a little, I, let's get into this. Let's dig in a little bit to this before we get dig into our, our own team here. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a perfect move. I really, really do. And and let's be honest, Jose Mourinho is a lucky, lucky boy because um, I've never known someone to be fired as much as him, but continue to get really, really good jobs as well. Um, but the, the, this one's different, in in my opinion, because. He, he excelled at Inter Milan um, in Serie A when he was last back there in 2010. Um, he, he won Serie A a couple of times, won the Coppa Italia, uh, won the Champions League with Inter as well. Like he is revered in Italy, so I, I think it's a really good piece of uh, piece of business by Roma, 
who are a club that, um, okay, they're in the Europa League semi-finals, but they're really a Champions League team and, and they need to, to get back to, to where they belong, really. So I think it's a perfect project for him because no doubt there's, there's pressure uh, for him to deliver, um, but he's going to a place where he's really well respected as well, and he's got a, a fabulous relationship with the media in Italy as well, compared to the the slightly tarnished one he has with the press in the UK. So um, I think it's a great move. I really do. Um, I think there'll be one or two players that'll be disappointed. I think Chris Smalling and Henrik Mkhitaryan, um, who were both sort of shunned by Mourinho at Manchester United, might have an issue with it. But um, I think he's got a good team there. Um, I don't know if he's going to be given money to, to spend to improve the squad, um, but I think it's a really good move. And um, I, I, would, I would not be surprised, Steve, if we at some stage see Roma back towards the top end of Serie A. Because um, it's no coincidence, wherever Mourinho has gone for the most part, apart from Tottenham, um, he's, he's delivered trophies. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a bold move by Roma. But I think ultimately it's a smart move as well because, um, as I said, he's got a really good reputation in Italy. And I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how he does. Yeah, it's uh, for me, I you, like I, I, my sort of, uh, I'm sure some people know this uh, from talking about it, my, my involvement with, with soccer on, on the world stage as a fan is sort of punctuated. It's sort of like it goes in little spurts. So like there was sort of the early 2000s, uh, I, I sort of got into soccer for the first time uh, for a couple of years. And then I sort of checked out of it for a while. And then I got back into it for a little while in like sort of the early late 2000s like 2010s um and then again obviously since 2017 when i joined minnesota united fc when i started working here so my experience of Mourinho has sort of been like well he <laughs> i think this is his third team since i started paying attention basically um it's interesting it, it obviously seems like the, it sort of puts me in mind of um there's an NBA coach, uh, Doug Collins, who's now a broadcaster, I believe. And he sort of had some of the same pattern um, of he would come into a, a squad and he would get a good two years out of them. And, and then in the third year, things would kind of it would fall off and then he'd be gone and go to another one. And it was like he kept getting jobs like this. And it was like you look at Mourinho's history. It's like it's rarely more than three years any place. But then you look at you know, what he does in those places. And you're like, well, you're, <laughs> you win. So, you know, I guess, I guess you, if you're a club, you're sort of saying, well, we're going, we're swinging big and it's got to work out in the next two years. If it's not working out by then, it's going to be over. So but he's not your, he's probably not your forever coach, almost any team at this point. Yeah, I don't think so. And, and I think Mourinho's um, close to 60 now as well. So I think, um, you know, much like, uh, much like Adrian Heath, you know, I think, um, you know, he's, he's probably got about 10 years left, maybe at, at, at that sort of level if he wants to. I still hope at some stage, Steve, that, that Mourinho comes to Major League Soccer because I think he'd be a tremendous villain for us. I really do. And I think it'll happen at some stage. He, wow. he spoke, um, what was it? He spoke about five or six years ago uh, when he didn't have a job. Uh, I think he just left... Um, I think he just left Chelsea for the second time. And somebody suggested MLS, and, and he said at one stage he could see himself with uh, with a penthouse in New York and, and whatnot. With a very European view of, of the United States, you sure. know. But um, sure. I could see it for sure. And like I said, I think he'd be a wonderful addition to the league. I really do. I think he'd bring headlines of fencing. So he's got to go to the Galaxy, right, or NYCFC. Sure. 
or maybe Inter. If I mean, like, based on Inter's approach, I mean, less than their, not so much the results right now as 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 just as just the approach. So it's got to be one of those, right? It's like he's not he's not he's not coming in for Peter Vermees at Sporting Kansas City. He's not going to go to Columbus Crew, is he? Yeah, I mean, with all due <laughs> we'll see. But I hope I hope at some stage it happens because I I think he'd be really good for the league. Charlotte FC head coach Jose Mourinho. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into the let's just get into this. All right, three game losing streak to start the season. Um, here's my opening statement. Um, after after those first two games, after losing the first two games, obviously not a good start. Um, however, I do feel like looking back now, thinking about how we were looking at the game against Seattle and the game against RSL, I think it's safe to say those teams are both better than we thought they were. Um, RSL have, uh, are the only perfect team left in MLS. They have only played two games, but they won both of them. Um, you know, Seattle is obviously doing quite well. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that like those two teams, you know, I felt bad about RSL because I, ex- I expect the team to win against RSL because they had always won essentially go- except for like one game in 2017, but they didn't, they lost at home and you don't expect that, but you don't expect back-to-back losses at home. The thing is, is that, you know, the, I'm going to start with the silver lining and then we'll go into the dark cloud in the middle. Um, over the course, you know, of a 34 game season, you can easily drop an away game to a team like Seattle and a home game to RSL without feeling like, like it's the end of, of the season, you know, like if you look at last year, I went back and I was looking at the, the, the results from last year, you know, Minnesota lost that game to SKC, the restart at home and then lost to Dallas and Houston on the road. The total margin goal differential there was eight to two. And right now it's seven and one over three games. And it's like, it's not good, but it's also one of those things that like it can happen in the course of a season, but something about starting pointless and being the only team that's pointless right now in MLS just feels like kind of bad, I guess is the only way I could put that. How do, <laughs> what is your feeling right now? I think that the, the major thing here, Steve, is the fact that there was so much promise and anticipation and build up to, to what really did seem like it was going to be a fabulous season for Minnesota United. And it wasn't even just coming from people like us who worked for the team. It was coming from uh, network broadcasters and national pundits who, who were all agreeing and saying that this is going to be the season where Minnesota United really do kick on and maybe could be considered MLS Cup contenders. So to start 0-3 for the first time in franchise history in MLS as well, by the way, is... Uh, it, it is sort of shocking, really, isn't it? Particularly given the the moves that were made, the roster that's been built in the off season, it's just not a part of of the expected script at all, is it? So, um, I, I'm I mean, look, th- th- there's an abundance of, of issues for sure. There's also a myriad of positivity as well. <laughs> let's let's not yeah. forget about that. And, and as you mentioned as well, I think it's too early to be making bold claims about the manager has to go or you know certain players need to to be be traded or whatever. I think it's too early for that. But, um, you know, let's make no mistake about it. It, it. It's it's not been a good start to the season. It's not been the start that Minnesota United wanted. So, um, I, and I think now that it seems as though there is, there is a bit of pressure to deliver, Steve. And, and I, I don't see any problem with that. I think quite rightly so. There should be pressure to deliver because this is the best roster that Minnesota United have ever had. So, um, I think that the one issue that hasn't been addressed um, 
majorly, um, and, and it should be perhaps spoken about a little more, is the fact that Minnesota United still have quite a few injuries. Um, and they've had to put out, you know, Hassani Dotson on the left-hand side. They've had their third and fourth choice centre-half alongside Michael Boxall this season. We haven't seen a sniff of Baki Dibassi yet. Um, you know, and, and Minnesota have had a situation at centre-forward where they brought in Abila, who, who hadn't played since mid-January and, and wasn't, wasn't fit, isn't fit. Um, and they were in a situation where the forward that they wanted wasn't going to be available until June, we were told. And it looks like um, Unu will, will hopefully be in the country here in the next 10 days or so and, and can hopefully make his home debut um, either against Vancouver or Dallas. We'll, we'll wait and see. But um, it, it just feels um, extraordinarily meh at the moment. Um, and that's frustrating because, as I said, the whole build-up... Um, in the preseason and the off-season was about how good Minnesota United were going to be. That's not Minnesota United's fault. <laughs> right. You know, they, they they can't control the speculation. They can't control what's been said about them. But there's a reason those things were said about them. And ultimately, at the moment, they're not delivering to the level in which many expected. Yeah, Cal, I think the the... It, it... It being extraordinarily meh is 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 quite accurate. Um, I think that's sort of the way that Adrian has uh, Adrian Heath has assessed it at times. You know, saying that you know in the middle of the field looking pretty good, not yep. looking good in either of the boxes, which is again where it's most important to look good. So it's it is weird, you know, as a team that you know over the first couple seasons. Um, and then going into the third season uh, when we still didn't know, you know, what Minnesota had or what they were going to look like, there was sort of that feeling of like, well, you know, when it, when it doesn't look good, it shouldn't because the team is not great. Um, when the team had, you know, successes, you sign Darwin Quintero and he gets a hat trick. It's like, ah, fun, like bonus. Now that weight of expectation is like this. It doesn't even feel like they're terrible. It, it just feels like it's just very stilted out there like it just and and I think especially against Austin I mean it's funny to look back and think like that first half against Seattle is probably the best they've looked like so far this season um you know other than like at the very ends of games you know like you know sort of like after after Robin's goal against RSL and in the sort of the dying minutes of the game against Austin when it seems like there's this urgency and stuff sort of like picks up a little bit you know it feels like the thing, the thing about the three game losing streak that seems different than when there's a three game losing streak in the middle of the season is it feels a little like the way the game against Austin played out to me was like repercussions from the way the other two games played out. Like rather than sort of just being like, well, you know, sometimes you kick a game away, you know, sometimes it's just a, you don't have it, you know, like after giving up that goal in the 17th minute, it just, it had that feeling of like, I mean, it looked like the players had that feeling of like, here we go again. Like we're going, you know, as yeah, I think, I think Kendra brought up on the, on the broadcast, you know, just like the body language was like, we have to dig ourselves out of this hole again. And that's the thing that Minnesota United was used to a couple years ago. It is not a thing that they were used to last season. And I think that that is, you know, they, they were chasing the game for 73 minutes and like, couldn't get anything out of it. And that, the, the thing is, is that if you dig into some of the numbers, Jeff, Jeff Ruder from the athletics sort of dug into some of the numbers in an article today about, you know, like what is actually behind a lot of stuff. And I thought he did a really generally reasonably fair job of saying like, this is the perception. This is the reality. Like, if you think, go ahead. 
okay. So, so before before you you sorry to cut you off there, Steve. To, to before you give me um, some of the journalistic opinions, um, here, here's what one I think from from my commentary uh, booth perspective, if you will, because I don't want to think I've I don't be able to think that I've read articles and and, and copying opinions and whatnot. I, I've not seen That's anything. True. I tend to not read a lot of what journalists say, to be honest, Steve, because I. I like to have my own opinion about things. Mm-hmm. Um, some people may say that's naive, but that's the way I do things. Um, look, in in my opinion, now the, one of the biggest issues that Minnesota United have is they're not pressing as a unit, and they're certainly not pressing from the front and not defending from the front, like Adrian Heath has has preached for so long. They didn't do it. Uh, they, they did it in the opening forty-five minutes against Seattle. Ironically, as you quite rightly said, perhaps the best 45 minutes of football we've seen from Minnesota so far. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the time, when they've started Agudelo up front, and, and he, I, I don't think he's completely fit yet, Steve. When they started um, uh, Ramon Abila up front, um, it, it hasn't worked, and, and, and they haven't they haven't led they haven't pressed from the front. They haven't led the line as well as they should have done. And what that does, and I might have even said this on the previous podcast, Steve, I can't remember because there were similarities as to why Minnesota had issues against Austin compared to the, the game against RSL. Um, when Minnesota United don't press as a unit, and I'm talking about the four attacking players, the quartet of attacking players, but particularly the centre-forward leading it and the wide players helping out and, and pressing from wide areas, coming inside as well... When they don't do that, that means the opposing back line can push up and play a high line if they want to, which, by the way, they have no problem playing a high line against someone like Ramon Avila, who we've all seen, and I know he's not completely fit yet, but we've all seen from tape and, and watching highlights, he's not the quickest individual. This is causing a massive problem for Minnesota because right now, Emmanuel Reynoso is getting the ball much deeper than where he usually works, and he loses the ball more than anybody on the team, which is fine because he's the one trying to create things. It's fine when he loses the ball in the final third but not when he loses the ball, say, on the halfway line, because then instantly Minnesota United are under pressure. The fullbacks who have bombed up to join the attack have to get back quickly. And there's all these gaps all over the place, and it's a nightmare defensively. So the biggest thing for me right now is Minnesota, when they bring the ball forward, they're not doing it as a unit, and particularly from from the front man as well. Um, and, and I don't know how they fix this. The, the way they fix it is bringing in uh, Adrian Unu as quickly as possible and getting, getting him integrated because he will press and do this. This is the way that Adrian wants to play. This is the way he has played. But he's done it in the past as well, Steve, without pressing forwards, but forwards that were fit and forwards that wanted to press. And, and, and as I said, they may not have necessarily been the, the quickest of forwards, but they wanted to work and they understood the system. I'm not suggesting Abila doesn't understand the system, but someone like uh, Luis Amaria, for example, was never the quickest, but he understood his role and his work ethic was above 100%. So right now, for me, that's where the main issue is, is that the amount of cheap turnovers as well, Minnesota bring the ball forward and, and it's so static that the movement is, is not, not working at the moment. Um, and, it, and it's an issue for sure, Steve, it really is. And, and like I said, for me right now, it, it's, you know, it's tough to ask for patience because I feel like everybody at the franchise has been so patient for so long. I mean, how many times have we done this podcast and preached patience and said, you know, it's coming, it's coming. And, and then we get the roster together and you finally think, right, here we go, here we go. And now we've got to ask for patience again. I feel sorry for the fans because 
the, the roster is here. They, they've got the pieces. I, I just, again, and it kills me to say this, but just be patient, you know, <laughs> because once Unu comes in uh, and gets himself integrated, once um, the, the Argentine player that they're looking at comes in and gets himself integrated and, and they all get themselves on the same page, I think this team will be absolutely fine. And I can still see them being in the playoffs and going a long way. It's just right now, there is a fundamental issue at centre-forwards. And hopefully, that can be addressed over the course of the next few weeks. But but go on, Steve. Sorry, I went on little rant mode there. But no, no, so, no, that, what, what the journalists are saying. For sure. And I, I think that, you know, again, there's been position, there's been times in the past where we've said, you know, the, the, the team needs a centre-forward. Yes. And this center forward is coming. Like there is, there's at least that, right? Like, like it's, it's a matter of time now, not a matter of if it's a matter of when this happens. Um, it, yeah, the, I, I sort of, I'm more interested in what you were saying about in terms of the pressing, especially with regards to um, thinking about that Seattle game and that like, at the beginning of that Seattle game, I was like, this is what Minnesota United should look like. You know, like they are pressing hard and high. Um, once they gave up, a goal they gave up two goals and they it, it, from that point forward it felt like um they were sort of too careful and uh like you're saying sort of slow it's not working they're not working as a unit it's not all happening at the same time like i feel like the high press requires a certain level of 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 daring you know like you have to sort of it's kind of one of those things that you're saying it's like if you do it if everybody's on the same page and you do it at the same time it's fantastic if you do it 80 percent, it's like a disaster because you need it's like if the commitment is not total and it feels like after lose going down some goals like in each game it sort of feels like they both it, players individually don't want to be don't want to mess up and then they tighten up and then there's also bigger risks that are taken individually because they feel like it's they got to throw the team on their back. And so it's this weird, like, at, at one time it feels like it's too careful. And sometimes it's like, well, why are these, why are you overcommitted in this direction? You know, it just feels like it's not moving as a unit the way that, that a soccer team needs to. Right. And then also, Steve, I mentioned it earlier on as well, whenever Minnesota United are pressing and the fullbacks go to join in on the attack, which they have done for years now under Adrian's system, because they're losing the ball where they are, those fullbacks then have got plenty of space behind them that, that has been exposed, right? Apart from the two, the two goals that the Sounders scored where they came through the centre and Brent Coleman didn't have his greatest spell, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem saying this as well, Steve. I would say this to Chase Gasper's face. Chase Gasper's not had a great start to the season. Yeah. Right? And he knows that. He absolutely knows that. Look at every single goal that Minnesota have scored, apart from those two that I mentioned against the Sounders. They've all come from that side. And a lot of that has to do as well with some ill-discipline in the centre of midfield as well, because the pass comes from the centre of midfield far too often because Emmanuel Reynoso loses the ball in that area. It's then pinged out wide because the fullbacks are advanced. Then the wide players, particularly from an opposing point of view, that right-hand side, Chase Gasper's side, that's where the ball has come from. The two goals against Real Salt Lake both came from that area and Julio scored. Um, and then the, the goal against uh, Austin FC as well, when Jared Stroud played it in for, for Gundes, he scored from that area as well. The, the first RSL goal um, was a little more, I understand the ball came from more, more of a central area, but if you go back and watch it, a lot of it comes from the right-hand side where, where Gasper wasn't, from, from his left-hand side. And, and it's, been, it, it, it's been tough to watch because, again, this, this, this worked previously. This has worked, this system that Adrian Heath 
has, has put into place, it has worked. And I'm not suggesting at all for a second that the system needs to be changed. I think individuals need to hold themselves accountable. Um, I'm not just talking just on the, on the roster either, Steve. I'm talking about uh, across the entirety of the franchise. I think people need to hold themselves accountable. Um, I know and- I haven't been doing enough. <laughs> But it's it's just it, it's infuriating because again, and, and I don't want to go off and and, and you know um, give some sort of rowdy speech where I'm insinuating that the season's over because it's not. We've got 31 games left. You know, we've yeah. got to remember that. But but right now, it's it's not been a good start. Um, and and I, I just I wonder as well, Steve, because Minnesota um, have been beaten now. Um, by essentially very, very similar plays, similar uh, counter-attacking plays, particularly the two home games as well. Um, it, it's not as if efforts weren't made to, to counteract that because, I mean, Adrian started with Alonso and Trapp in the central midfield, two, two deep-lying um, central midfielders. So he understood what was going to happen. But the issue is, is that the majority of the goals have come from the wide areas and they've come from, from one part of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just because of what the left-back has been asked to do. And the left-back has, has not had a good start to the season. So, um, I don't know what you do as a head coach in this situation. Um, do you have a, a, a little word with the individual that we're talking about? Do you, do you perhaps try and give a little more protection? I don't know. Um, but one thing's for sure is I'm, I'm absolutely intrigued to see what Adrian Heath does with this team when they go to Colorado this coming weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we brought up uh, before Cal, like I, I think I said this, this last week um, about, you know, there's this, and you sort of alluded to it in this thing of, you know, Reynoso having to drop deeper, it makes him lose the ball farther up the field. It's harder for him to get it to the fullbacks. It's, you know, there's sort of this, this chain reaction that happens. And some of it comes, as you said before, from, you know, again, it's one of those things where I think, and again, I'll just hip you to what journalists say, um, you know, the, the, as far as the injuries go, you're not necessarily missing like the marquee players from Minnesota United, but you're missing certain guys in certain places that you really need those guys to be. And that's one of those things that like not having the Bassey, uh, this came up last week. It's like, you, you know, you put in Brent Coleman didn't had a, had a, a terrible game. That first game you put in Yuka Raitala. Um, that means that if you don't, if you feel like, somebody else needs to play left back you don't have a left back because your left back is playing one of the center your second left back is playing one of the second one of the center back spaces you know you don't have nico hansen looked great in the preseason he got injured you don't have a left wing you try you know robin ludd looked not great on the left so last season so he moved to the right he looked great you put ethan on the left he doesn't look good you know it's like it's sort of these like these points that seem to be like you're these particular areas where you're just missing a couple guys are creating this sort of chain reaction of of having to make tough choices when you're picking these lineups, you know? Um, and also to your point about how all this stuff interacts, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't remember what I was going to say about Jeff Reuter's article. It's good. Go read it. I think it's very fair. Uh, Matt Doyle on the MLS.com uh, pointed out that with some, some numbers here, uh, last year, Minnesota United were third in dribbles attempted dribbles uh, for anybody who's in paying attention uh, is just taking a guy on basically like you're trying to get past somebody with the ball at your feet. Uh, third in dribbles attempted and ninth in success rate. And then down the stretch when the team looked really good, that that success rate got up into like the top five. Right now they are third in attempts, but 24th in success rate. Uh, so right at the bottom, they, anytime they're taking people on, it is not working out for them. Will Trap. 
uh, Jan Gregus, uh, Gregus and uh, Ozzy Alonso have combined for three successful total dribbles. So that's your, all the three, the three guys who played midfield there have only successfully taken a guy in with the ball three times total so far this season. And that's one of those things that like when those guys can't take a guy out in the back, they can't open up space in front of them to get it to Reynoso deep. You know, it's like, again, it's this sort of like this chain reaction effect. If your midfielders can't get the ball past somebody, if they can't move, if they can't take somebody one-on-one and make the rest of the defense shift, you're not opening spaces for Reynoso and Reynoso has to come farther back. And then he's got the ball in the middle of the field and that's where he's giving it up, you know? So there's, again, it's this thing of like, there's a lot of stuff. I guess the thing about the Jeff Ruder piece that I thought was good is he's real, other than sort of, I think the biggest thing he highlighted was Chase Gasper and the fact that his play just is not not been good in that left position, which is exactly what you were talking about. He's like, if you look at the numbers, if you sort of drill down into this, like Reynoso's playing about as well as he did last season when he was playing well, like look in terms of, in terms of passes and in terms of expected goals, plus expected assists. Like if you look at a lot of these metrics, it's just not coming together yet. And that's the thing. It's just not quite like linking together. There's only so much Reynoso can do by himself in the middle of the field when he's taking the, getting the ball so far back up the field. I disagree with that in the sense that Reynoso is playing as well as as he has been um, in the past because there were times when he was unplayable, Steve, um, towards the latter stages of the season in the playoffs as well. Sure. I think right now, I think um, again, Steve, a lot of it comes um, comes back to, to the centre forward and who's playing alongside him um, right. or who's playing in front of him rather. Um, and you would hope, you would expect that knowing each other quite well from Boca Juniors, that there would be an understanding between him and Abila. We got a glimpse of it when there was, um, I think it was, the, it was the first half, I believe, when uh, Reynoso picked it up and was able to, to actually drive forward for the first time because Abila was on the edge of the penalty area and they played a nice little one-two and, and Reynoso hit the post. That's what, what we're expecting. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's the Minnesota United we, we want to see. Um, and, and I just wonder if it's just going to take a little bit of time. And, and like I said, I, I hate to, to preach patience because, as we said earlier on, we've said it so much. And, and now it's really time to, to deliver and, and really, really start to compete. So um, we'll see, Steve. But, um, yeah, I, I, I disagree with Jeff there in, in that sense that I, I don't think Reynoso has been, um, has been near what we saw at the end of, uh, compared to the end of last season. Well, I think I think one thing is that it's it seems like I mean he came off the field last game because of a, a knock it seems like and it seems like so yeah which which I didn't realize by the way I don't think yeah. anybody knew until it actually until he came off the field yeah it seemed like like watching him it just seemed like he was less engaged sort of um energetically uh through through a bunch of the game and i think maybe some of that was 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 this knock he took it would just be like when he had to get back on defense he just looked a little reluctant to have to deal with it and it seemed like his movement was a little slow i think what 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 jeff is really saying is i mean i think the point is that you know for a guy like like reynoso who whose huge contribution was assists last year if you've got guys in front of you who can't finish the the plays you don't, you're not going to, you're not going to look that good. I mean, I think it's just in that like in terms of his, his movement, his touches, his dribbles attempted things like that, like he looks good, like by those metrics, it's not resulting in the results that were happening down the stretch last year. And, and I think, as you said, a lot of that is because of, you know, the, the, the center forward and how that is working out, you know, um, Avila not being fit, Agadello not being necessarily fully fit that the, that the stuff is not, the chances are not being put away. So, um, uh, okay. 
a couple other notes, and then we're going to go into something different because there's only so much time. I've spent a lot of time on this. Um, one thing that I want, which is that this is a side note, and you see it a lot. Um, I, I'm doing that thing every like I've seen this. I've definitely seen people say this. Like they really miss Kevin Molino, okay? Which is true. They really miss Kevin Molino. If Kevin Molino is Kevin Molino at the end of last season. Um, but anybody like, okay, it's fine to say like, yeah, they really need a guy like that. It's true. Kevin Molino is not playing right now. <laughs> he is injured. That is one of the reasons they didn't bring him back. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, yes, they miss him. If they had him right now, he still wouldn't be playing like, <laughs> like in all likelihood. So you need to find somebody else. I just want to address that right now. Kevin Molino, great guy, great soccer player. Um, absolutely not a mistake to move on from him in my opinion. I think um, what was it, Adrian Heath who said he played 49% of the games uh, for Minnesota United over the course of, of the last four years. So, um, yeah, I flat out, I remember I flat out asked him, what, why didn't you renew him? And that was essentially the reason. And um, here we are again where he's out for not just a little niggle, Steve. He's, I think it's eight weeks that he's been uh, reported to, to be injured. So, you're right, he, he wouldn't be available anyway. So, um, I think that's... Um, I, I don't think that's an excuse. I, I don't think that opinion has, has much context behind it because, yeah, of course, it, he, he and Reynoso were very good together. There's no doubt about it. But but he'd have been injured anyway right now. So I, I don't think it matters too much. I, I, I just hope that the club um, and, and what they're planning on, um, I, I just hope that the individual that, they're, that they should be bringing in and hopefully announcing something at some stage, who knows what's, what's happening there, but um, is, is, is going to be a replacement for Molino in terms of ability and numbers and flow and the, the way that Molino likes to play, you know. Um, I, I just hope he, he's, he does enough to be viewed as a replacement. Um, and if not, then the likes of Nico Hansen, the likes of Ethan Finlay, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have to step up. Um, and I have no doubt that, that they will, for sure. Um, and also, one individual who, who um, I, I also think we should talk about getting more minutes and seeing a lot more of over the course of the season is Justin McMaster. Okay, well. wait, 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 wait. I'm going to do a palate cleanser, and then we're going to talk about the players who, are, who actually look good, okay? We'll, we'll make, a, we'll make a, a clean break and we'll move on here. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Align Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Yes, I wanted, to, I wanted to make that break and say, let's talk a little bit about Justin McMaster and also the debut of young Patrick Weah, which was, which was pretty fun as well. So uh, continue with your thought on, on Justin McMaster. He just looks fearless. He just looks like he wants the ball all the time. He strikes me as um, somewhere between a modern-day and very old-fashioned winger, and, and that'll be quite confusing to a lot of people, I'm sure. But what I mean by that is, is that he's a good, he seems to be a good combination of, of both, Steve. When I say old-fashioned... I mean, someone who gets their head down, runs with the ball, beats a player, gets to the byline and plays the ball in. And there's no nonsense. Modern day wingers are much more, right, I'm going to take the ball here, then I'm going to drag it back. I might drag it back again. Okay, I could play the ball inside. Okay, I'm going to actually turn inside, open my body up and shoot. You know, he, he's, um, he has the skill set and technique to, to operate as both. 
um, which is very handy for Minnesota United. And I think the, um, the particularly the two appearances at, at home, I think he's done well. Obviously, he got the first assist uh, for the only goal of the season for, for Robin Lord, and, and I thought showed incredible maturity to do that because there's so many kids in that situation, Steve, that, that would perhaps have tried to, with his back to goal, he may very well have tried to, to chest it into his own path to, to try and turn and shoot or uh, maybe held onto the ball a little too long. But instead, it was a nice little one-touch into Robin Lord, who, who was able to finish. So, um, And then, obviously, he um, he very nearly assisted what would have been a, a first professional goal for Patrick Weyer as well. And it, he, he did it very well in terms of he got himself into a nice little pocket of space um, and, again, showed little hesitation um, to, to cross the ball as quickly as he could when he saw an option. And fair play to, to 17-year-old Patrick Weir for just throwing his body in front of, of the centre-half and, and obviously um, going right through the centre-half as well. So, um, you know, look, I, I think these, these kids have shown a lot in, in the short amount of time they've had. I thought more than anything they, they gave Minnesota a spark more than just about anybody else did when they came on. They were full of energy. They, they had ideas. And they were fearless, to be honest, Steve, which which I think is great for Minnesota United to have kids who are confident, um, have a different uh, skill set to to the other players that they have on the field. Um, I'm excited to see what, what the season brings from McMaster and Weir. I, I think like all of us at the start of the campaign, I, I didn't expect to see much of Weir at all. Um, with him being 17 years of age, you've got to nurture talent from time to time, you know. But but also, I, I admire Adrian Heath for just saying, all right, Kids, here you go. You, you try and do something because yeah. right now nothing's working. So you guys go and play, you know. And, and as I said, I, I thought they were fearless. And um, I'm really excited to see what they can bring throughout the remainder of the season. Yeah, uh, Weawa is, uh, to use your parlance, a big boy. I mean, he is <laughs> at, at, he's yeah. 17 and he looks the part. He looks, he's, he's sizable. His, uh, I'll have to say his expected goals per 96 minutes is off the charts because he was in for 15 minutes and nearly got a goal. So, um, you know, he, he should be scoring five, six a game. It seems like uh, <laughs> based, just based on that. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I think, I think McMaster has been, has been quite good. I talked to him a little bit about the assist. Uh, we did an article last week, um, sort of a beyond the box talk, talked to him a little bit about the start of his MLS career, but, um, you know, he's, he's easy to talk to. He, he knows, he knows what he's talking about. Like uh, talking about that moment of seeing the, the ball, he thought, um, for example, uh, after the game, Hassani told him that Hassani was trying to pick him out, not Robin. Um, and, and you can kind of see in the replay that, that Justin is sort of loitering on the edge of the box and that Hassani was trying to get it sort of in front of him, but then Ludd was there and it hit Ludd. And as soon as, as soon as, uh, uh, Justin saw the ball come off Ludd's foot. He was like, I'm too far back. And he just sort of looks over his shoulder and then tips it back, you know, in Ludd's path. Cause he's like, he was totally wide open and it's a beautiful shot. So it, it's like, I think he's got his head on his shoulder straight, which is really great to see. Um, and, and yeah, Patrick way, I also was not expecting to see him, you know, I'm sure if the, the if the beginning of the season had gone a little differently, we probably would not have seen him yet, but um, Hey, you know, like, you know, get him out there. I mean, then we'll, 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 we'll lead into that a little bit. Um, and in terms of like what we foresee for the future um, and then these next several games, I think I'm with you in that. I think the team will basically be okay. Um, I like, I've adjusted my expectations <laughs> like for sure. Um, I still think they make the playoffs, you know, despite the history that they're fighting against, which again was on, on the MLS soccer.com. Um, 
only six teams since 1999 have lost their first three games and then made the playoffs. And that includes two teams from last year, which was a weirdo year. Right. Um, but I still, you know, I, like I'm not, I don't necessarily expect a top, top half seed at this point. Um, you got to be, you're going to have to be really good through the whole rest of the season in order to get uh, into that spot. I mean, even just to stay in the playoffs in the Western conference is going to be tough, but I think, I think they're going to make the playoffs. That's my personal opinion, Cal. I think they'll make the playoffs, Steve. I, um, this, this is obviously assuming that they stay injury-free and there's nothing freakish that happens to this season either. Um, I can still see them being a top top four team in the Western Conference. I really can. I, I know that'll be difficult after the, the poor start, but it's not the NFL, Steve. You know there's not whatever it is in the NFL nowadays, 16, 17 games. There's, there's 31 games left. And there's a lot of home games to be played as well. So I think it'll just, it'll just take um, a positive result, whether that comes this weekend in the form of, you know, uh, I would certainly take a tie in Colorado if you offered me a 1-1 draw. I'd take it right now sure. um, because you can build off it. Um, I think um, when Unu arrives, and I don't want to put this pressure on him, but I'm going to... Um, <laughs> I expect the locker room because this this happens, Stephen. World football when um, a new signing comes in, and a, certainly when when a signing of this caliber comes in, it can lift the locker room. It really can. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be a perfect scenario would be if Unu scored on his first appearance, um, and then he would almost be acting like the the Lord and Savior. Um, he really would. I, I, I expect him to cause some significant damage um, to backlines in this league and. Um, First of all, because he is a high-pressing player as well. I think Reynoso will have a lot more space to operate as well. So, um, higher up the field in particular. So, I'm not suggesting we, we wait for Unu because that, that's simply not going to work. You know, we need to pick up as many points as, um, as they can. Um, but I, uh, I, think, I think it's okay, Steve. It's, it's not an mm-hmm. ideal start. You know, we, we all know that for sure. But I, I honestly think um, I can see Minnesota United being still being a top four Western Conference team um, and winning some really difficult away games. Um, there's a lot of football to be played, Steve. There's yeah, so yeah. many games to be played. And I, I, I've, I was chatting to somebody the other day and um, without embarrassing them, that the suggestion was the season's over already. Um, and I thought, well, that's a little bit melodramatic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and absurdly far-fetched as well. Um, <laughs> there's 31 games left. It, it's yeah, going sure. to be okay. It yeah. really, really is. Yeah. All right. Last thing, uh, two-part question here, uh, and we could do this all day, but we don't have all day. So um, first of all, what do you think, what adjustments do you think Adrian Heath will actually make um, coming up? Oh, my light fell down. Um, coming up this weekend and, you know, sort of in the next couple of weeks, um, not what do you, what could he do, but what do you think he actually will do? Then we'll get into speculation on the other point. <laughs> um, oh my words. Knowing that you have to talk to him yourself later at some point, not that he listens to us. So, <laughs> Oh man, Steve, you have, you have literally got a hold of my tongue here because okay. <laughs> there's so many possibilities of what Adrian will do. I suggested on, on the other podcast that we do that maybe it is time for McMaster to start, but I just, 
I don't know if I'm saying that from my perspective or Adrian's perspective. I don't know. Yeah. Because it's, it's been proven that he will play the kids. Like, literally the last game, it's been proven that he'll, he'll, he'll rely on them if he needs to. Um, I don't know if he changes things up in the sense of going with a 4-3-3 against Colorado just because of the altitude and, and matching up with them that they tend to play. They still play a 4-2-3-1, but, but the 10 in Namli does drop deeper um, and looks to receive the ball from, if they're fit, Price and Acosta. Um, I just, I don't know, Steve. I don't. I, I, I really don't know. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what he does against Colorado because if he doesn't go well, um, I think the pitchforks will be out again as they, as they for whatever reason, seem to be already. Um, I, I think, as I said, that, that it, it's okay to, to expect. I think it's okay to, to, um, to have an, uh, a certain level of expectation with this team now. But let's, let's just wait and see what happens. Um, Let's not, you know, throw stones before we've even started getting into second gear yet, you know? Um, in, you're asking me, Steve, what's Adrian going to do in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think they're going to go with... Um, I think they're going to go with a false nine and play Robin Lurd up front. Okay. I think... It wouldn't surprise me if he went with Finlay and McMaster, either side of Reynoso, and then brought in Gregush and Dotson. Um, although, actually, no, let me re- rephrase that. Um, Trap and Dotson in the centre of midfield, I think, is what Adrian's going to do. Back four, I think, will stay the same because they're limited on options and obviously the goalkeeper will remain the same. But um, I just think they're they're trying to get Hassani in the team. They're trying to get Dotson in as much as they can. And and I think that the left-hand side of midfield um, experiment didn't work. Um, And it was obvious as soon as Dotson was tucked into the centre of midfield against Austin, he just looked so much better Mm -hmm. Um, and was on the ball a lot more and offered so much more. So um, maybe it's time for McMaster to be given the opportunity where in a place where there is a little little less pressure on the road. Um, and as I said before, we've seen Adrian given kids a chance before. I wonder if he gives the kids a chance at Colorado Rapids. Yeah, I like, I like all of that. I think a lot of that lines up with what I was thinking. I was thinking possibly... Ozzy and Hassani, but I, I also think that maybe given wanting to save um, Ozzy and it being a road game, um, maybe you don't see Ozzy um, starting. And then in that case, you know, Will and Hassani, I like, I like having Hassani in midfield as just like, I don't think Will and Jan, at least for now, you need somebody who's going to get in there. And I think Hassani is a guy who wants to push the ball forward um, in a way that like Jan can, but isn't always like naturally inclined to do. Um, And so I think that that is, I think that's a good role for those two. I would love to see McMaster on the left. I think that I was thinking if Ludd, if Ludd's injury was still a problem, then you, it would be better to have Finlay on the right and McMaster on the left. But also if you just say you want to start Ludd in that false nine role, then I think that also works in that situation. Um, All right. Last thing. What could he do? We're gonna go. We're gonna go wild here because we've seen we've seen the four through three before. I was thinking about the old five three two or the three five two. Um, 
you know, is one of those things that on the road, he's very short of uh, the guys in the back line, for sure. Um, but maybe if you just, like, throw a lot back there, you could, you could get more out of it. I'm thinking if you have – you could have um, – you know, Dotson is sort of a left wing back um, in that case, and then have Raitala, Boxall, and Coleman in the in the middle, and Metnir on the right. Um, then you have, uh, let's say, uh, Trap and. No wait, I already put Dotson out there. No, I'm missing this up now. I want I want Ozzy in the team, but I don't know if he will start. <laughs> um, Ozzy Trap and Reynoso in in the middle, uh, flanked by those wing backs, and then McMaster and maybe. Avila up front. None of, the, none of this makes sense now that I'm figuring, now that I'm looking at it again. But the 3 5 2 sometimes works for the team. So maybe, do you think they could go to that? Sometimes it works for the team, Steve. I'm, I'm not sure it's the right time to, to do it now. I yeah. think probably, uh, I think he could go with a 4 3 3, and the back line would remain the same. And then there's room for Dotson, Gregush, and uh, Trap in the centre of midfield. Yeah. And then I would expect it to be. Um, Finlay, Reynoso, and Lurd in a front three. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, that's certainly an option um, that he could go to. The question is, will he? And, and that's, that is the million-dollar question. But again, Steve, the good thing is, is that there's so many options with this team now. We, we just don't know. And, and it gets to the point now when, when I attend practice on Friday, I'm like a kid on Christmas Day because I'm just I'm so excited. What are you going to do? How are you going to tackle this? And, and yeah. I... I I'm sure I'm starting to annoy people by just asking relentless questions, asking Ian Fuller, what's he going to do? Why is he doing this? Okay, well, what's his play? You know, <laughs> um, I'm intrigued. I really am. So we're recording this on Wednesday and I can't wait for Friday's training session because that tends to be, for the most part, where we get the answers. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, for this game, because of how the season has started, I think we're all in agreement here. We want answers more than ever. Yeah. And I'm really intrigued to see what they are. Yeah. You just you just text me after Friday practice and and let me know how it's gone. So there we go. <laughs> um, I won't I won't I won't tweet it. Uh, all right, everybody, thanks for joining us for the 143rd. I believe it's 143rd. I thought it was 141st, but then uh, our producer Tyson said this is 143. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with that. Uh, sometimes I lose I lose track. Uh, let's just pretend the last trouble didn't happen, just like these games. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 143rd Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom. You can follow me at Steve Interest. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. 